Hello, friends. Welcome to 1,000 Words, Stories on the Way. My name is Matthew Clark, and I am really super excited for this week's guest episode, which is the first time I'll have had an international essayist joining the podcast. My friend Erling Grantrud from Norway will be sharing an essay and a song in his native tongue to close. Um, a quick reminder before we get to that, I've got a new single releasing this Friday, July 16th on Spotify and all the streaming platforms. It's called Every Island. So if you'll go and find me on Spotify, follow my page, and then keep an eye out or an ear out for that new song. I'm really excited to share that with you. So for me, college was the first time that I'd ever really gotten a chance um, to have friends from other countries. I met people from all over the world who knew the same Jesus that I loved, and it gave me a lot of joy to begin to realize that Jesus is not just the Lord of people who look and talk and dress or sing like me, but he's the redeemer of the whole world and of every people across the face of the earth. So I still get, I still get really excited to hear people glorify Jesus through their own languages, their own songs and dances and ways of dressing and so on, uh, even food. And it reminds me that I'm just a little part of a big family of the Creator and Redeemer of all humankind. And so, I was really excited to get an email back in March uh, from a Norwegian brother saying that he enjoyed this podcast. Uh, Honestly, it kind of blew my mind. So, we emailed a little, and then around Easter, he sent me an essay that he had written. And it was beautiful. Really beautiful. And I asked him if he'd be willing to share it here on the podcast. And I'm so grateful that he said yes. So, let me introduce you to Erling Reintrud. Erling has had a fascinating journey and has always been a lover of God's creation. He says, quote, I have always loved all growing things, from the tallest trees to the smallest mosses to the seaweed in the fjords. And if I can spot a squirrel, a frog, or a porpoise among the growing things, I am happier for it. Close quote. Later, Erling became a high school teacher, but the Lord laid on his heart a great love for the scriptures and the church, and so for the last eight years, he's been the pastor of a church in Sandefjord, Norway. Erling has been married for 20 years to Gina, and together they have three teenage children. He loves the outdoors, obviously. He loves to kayak, he loves to read, and he even does illustrated Bible passages in watercolor. And you can find some of those uh, in him on Instagram, at Erling Rantrud. Uh, that's E-R-L-I-N-G dot R-A-N-T-R-U-D. Um, and he mentioned that he also has a neglected webpage uh, called underfeikentreat.no. That means under the fig tree. And that's spelled U-N-D-E-R-F-I-K-E-N-T-R-E-E-T dot N-O. 
So it is a, it's a big gift to have Erling with us today, uh, a brother from the other side of the world. Please do visit his Instagram and let him know that you enjoyed his essay today. And here it is. Here is Erling Grantud's essay, There Was a Garden. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Genesis 2.15 In the beginning there was a garden. Work it and keep it, God said to the humans who were there. And they did. Black, rich, fragrant soil was covered with green. Seeds sprouted, stems stretched towards the sky. Buds and leaves spread over the whole earth. Bathed in golden green light, branches bore fruit, and down on the ground in the cool shade, sweet, ripe berries were food for all who wanted them. Streams trickled, and both sun and moon mirrored their life-giving light in clear waters. Birds, fish, animals, and humans found both work and rest in a wild but safe garden. God created the heavens and the earth the heavenly and the earthly. There is something wonderfully beautiful about the fact that God chose a garden as the place for heaven and earth to meet. For that is most profoundly what the Garden of Eden was, a dwelling for the peoples of the earth saturated with heaven. A garden is a safe place, full of life. I do not know what memories you have of gardens, but there is a particular garden at the center of my childhood memories. In Grandma and Grandpa's garden, in the countryside somewhere in western Norway, where I am from, I could pick and eat currants to my heart's content. I could play ball in the grass, or lay down with my nose in a book and draw in the scent of clover and bathe in the beauty of the warm summer sun. I would often dream away those happy days as I took shelter in the giant blood beach with the biggest and strongest branches in the whole wide world. I would count the stripes of the bumblebees, listen to the heron's hoarse cry in the spruce trees, and watch the deer trotting on the ridge at dusk. There was freedom in my grandparents' garden, and the work that came with it was good like raking the grass after Grandpa had rushed noisily by with a puff of smoke from both the lawnmower and his tobacco pipe, or picking currants in a bucket that went straight into the pot where Grandma made red currant jelly. That work was good work to be a part of. I wonder what memories from your childhood you carry with you of those happy places, like my grandparents' garden. For me... A garden is both work and rest at its very best. For the workplace is the resting place, and the resting place is the working place, and the result of both is new life. If man is created in the image of God, God is the great gardener. Both God and gardener with capital G. We do not know how long the first humans were in the Garden of Eden, but we can guess what kind of life they lived. And we know they were not alone. They lived 
where the heavens meet the earth, and all is green and growing and full of life. God was there, walking with them in the evening breeze. Was God there all the time? Or did he come and go? Perhaps he came and went, while the humans always experienced and felt the presence of God. In that garden, they were free. Free to work, free to rest, free to praise God. By the way, did you know that the Hebrew word for work, avodah, also means to serve and worship? We both honor and glorify God and worship Him when we work in the garden. In the end, people were also free to eat from the tree of life in the middle of the garden, for there, in the center of that lush place where the heavenly and the earthly met and God still walked, there was life and abundance. Unfortunately, that was not enough for the humans. Once they had been deceived into believing that a life outside the garden would be better. And they found out the hard way that it wasn't. So they made their choice to take and eat what they neither needed, should have, nor were entitled to. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Genesis 3.8 Since then, we humans have done the same. Instead of walking openly, we hide from both God and each other and withdraw to the darkest shadows where we think it is safest. But it is cold and dark and damp in the deepest shades. How often do we humans find ourselves sitting in a dark corner, longing to step out into the warm sunlight, but don't? We are shadow plants, afraid that a gardener will see us. We fear being pruned and fertilized and watered. But what happens to plants in the light? When we weed and water, prune and care for them, there will be new growth and flowers, and fruit. The gardener is not scary. He calls you lovingly and knows exactly how to best care for you. At the time of this writing, it is Easter in the garden. It is not long since we remembered Jesus' death and celebrated his resurrection. Mary, one of Jesus' friends, also had an encounter with the great gardener and was once again allowed to take on a life of good work and rest in God's garden. For when the curtain of the temple was torn in two and Jesus died, the temple again became a place where heaven meets the earth. Only now it was the humans themselves who would become the temple of God. God dwells within us here on earth with his heavenly Holy Spirit. But Mary did not know this yet. She approached the tomb at dusk before the sun rose. Can you imagine how heavy the shadows were around her in those moments before dawn? But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. 
and as she wept she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. John chapter 20, 11 through 18. Mary met the master, who she first thought was the gardener, and she was right. It was the master gardener she met indeed. He who comes and goes. He does not leave you, but he has many plants to take care of, lots of places to be. And then we, who are just small sprouts, shoots and branches, are miraculously allowed to imitate the gardener as we work and rest in the garden where he has planted us. Until the time when heaven again comes down to earth and everything is recreated and a whole world becomes a garden of Eden, we wait for him. Then we shall walk with God in the cool evening breeze a huge flock of little gardeners in the middle of all the life-giving greenery. And no one shall hide, because God's beautiful light blesses all things and the shadows are no more. I was asked to close with some words in my own language. And I wanted to share a quite new Norwegian psalm. This psalm is actually a Christmas psalm, but the first and last verses may point to where I am from and to some aspects to the essay. It is called Nornorsk Julesalme, Christmas psalm from northern Norway. Even though I am from western Norway and now live in the southeast, I can relate. I'll sing two verses for you and then give a rough translation. Velsigna du dag over fjorden, Velsigna du lys over land, Velsigna de evige oran, Om håp og ei utstrakt hand. Verg dette lille du gav oss, den dagen du flyttar oss hit, 
Så vi känner du aldrig vill oss förkomma i armod och slit. Guds fred över fjällen och åsen. Låt det gro där vi bygger och bor. Guds fred över dyran på båsen och ej frossen och karriur. Du ser oss i mörketidslande, du signe med evige ord. Husan och fjälle och vanne och folket som lever. Her nu. Bless the days over the fjords. Bless the light on the lands. Bless the eternal words about hope and a helping hand. God, these small things you gave us the day you moved us here. So we know you will never let us despair, but be sure you are there. God's peace over mountains and hills. Let it grow where we toil and dwell. God's peace over livestock and sheep, and over the frozen and barren earth. You see us in our land of darkness. God bless with eternal words the houses and mountains and waters and people who dwell up here north. Amen. Thank you so much, Erling, for your beautiful essay. And for that beautiful song, it's so good to hear uh, to hear you sing in your own language. Reminds me of uh, that Jesus is the Lord of the whole earth. It's so encouraging to me. Uh, it's such a gift to have you be a part of this podcast and to be reminded of God's life-giving love for us. Again, go find Erling on Instagram at erling dot r a n t r u d. By the way, next week, I will have another special guest episode from my friend, author, podcaster, and blogger, Mary Beth Barber, who will be sharing an essay inspired by Wendell Berry's Mad Farmer's Manifesto and Living a Life That Does Not Compute. So don't miss that. It's going to be really good. Uh, But thanks so much for being here this week. I will see you next time on 1000 Words, Stories on the Way.